Wow, I am so excited. Um, I figured that this was probably the day to announce to you what our next Star Trek series is going to be. If that's okay with you guys. Okay, good. But I, I actually don't feel entirely qualified to be the one to do it. So what I'd like to do is bring out a good friend to talk about the next one. Well, 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 well. Welcome back to Delta Flyer. I'm Stuart Hollis. And I'm Thad Haight. And this week we are joined by a special guest, Carl. Hi, it's Carl Wonders. How are you? I'm good. Pretty good. Oh, you may have been asking the audience that. Uh, well, they didn't answer, <laughs> so we did. Wow. Yeah, and this week we're going to be talking about Season 2, Episode 4, Elogium. I, we better not be, because I haven't watched it yet. What are we talking I, about, then? I saw it about a month ago. We're talking about this little thing that Carl and I went to last week? Wait, you're talking about Star Trek Las Vegas? I didn't go to that. I don't have any notes. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, you're just not as cool as we are, I guess. <laughs> All right. Well, then, I will let you guys take us out and, you know, give us your synopsis of Star Trek Las Vegas. Okay, well, every year in the first week of August, thousands of Star Trek fans converge on Sin City and celebrate Star Trek. Yep, that's, that's nerdy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's about the, that's that's the best way to uh, synopsis for Star Trek Las Vegas. I mean, that's what happens. Yeah. Carl, how, how often have you been to Star Trek Las Vegas? Uh, well, this was my first attempt our first time going, and it was actually only a partial visit. Um, I was there um, for, it, it starts on, I believe, that correct me if I'm wrong, it starts on Wednesday and goes to Sunday. Correct. Um, I, I was there only for Friday and Saturday, um, but what I, w what I did see there was pretty spectacular, and there's, I'm sure, one bit that we will get to um, oh, that yeah. I'm very happy that I was actually able to be there for that, so... But this, this is my first time going, and and uh, it was everything that it had been made out to be. I think, as far as you know, the number of fans, the the costumes, the 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 stars that were there, the the panels and everything, and and meeting all the people. Uh, so it was it was a great time. Sounds like it. Yeah, our listeners may remember that Thad went last year. If they listen to our other podcast, Stargate Weekly, anyway. Why wouldn't they? I don't listen to it ah uh, well but <laughs> we are, we're not all perfect <laughs> i will i promise once i start watching stargate i will tune in last year was my first year at star trek las vegas so which would make this year my second and uh i had a blast last year uh this year i had even more fun than i had last year excellent yeah it was pretty great uh so i mean i've i figured we would just sort of go over what happened. Uh, yeah, go for it. Yeah, I, I actually got in on Monday night because people start arriving the weekend before even uh, just to hang out and such. But uh, I, I got in Monday night, hung out with some people. On Tuesday, I made a pilgrimage to what is now the Westgate Hotel. 
at the north end of the Strip in Las Vegas. Uh, people may remember that it was once the Las Vegas Hilton, and back in the late 90s and early 2000s, it was home to Star Trek The Experience, uh, which was a Vegas attraction filled with Star Trek stuff. They were a- actors dressed as Klingons, Ferengi, etc. There were inter- interactive rides you could do, uh, etc. Uh, these days, the only thing that's left is some doorways and uh, a warp core in the middle of a timeshare office. It's kind of depressing, really. Yeah. yeah. I remember seeing a lot of photos when it opened and, and all the you know, video footage around that, and it looked really interesting. I I never made it. I don't know that if you'd made it no. um, at all when it was running, but uh, it's a shame that it's it's no longer there. By the time I was old enough to have the disposable income to actually go on a trip to Vegas, it had already closed. Oh, uh, you're making me feel old again. That's okay. <laughs> uh, I remember being so excited. There was a commercial for it. Uh, because I believe it was coming soon at the time, on the VHS copy of Star Trek Generations. Mm-hmm. I remember being super excited for that as a kid. Yeah, I remember that. I think that was that's the one that had the little hologram thing on the front of it or yeah. something. That, 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 yeah, I remember that. And you can tell it was from that time, because on the side of the hotel is the Delta with that same, sim- with that same like, vertical oval from uh, mm-hmm. Generations. Yeah, the one that they then plastered the faces of... Uh, Kirk and Picard over. Um, yes. And yeah, okay. And there actually is a very faded Delta still on the side of the hotel because they can't remove it because the <laughs> monorail went up after it was installed and they can't actually get to it to take it down. <laughs> I <now. know. laughs> So it was like painted on the side and they stripped the paint off, but the ghost remains. No, it's it's still there in its glory. It's just faded because it's been in the sun for you know uh, twenty five years at this point. Uh, but anyway, I, I went to see it because I had never been, and I had heard that you could still see, like, small vestiges of it. And they're right. You can still see a little bit. Uh, it, it's weird to me, like, this, because there's this, like, LED-lit structure that is clearly a warp core. And then all surra- surrounding it are a bunch of standing desks with people typing away, and it's just <laughs> really weird. Standing desks are so hot right now. They really are. So is Las Vegas. Ha ha. Ah, yes. <laughs> weather puns (laughs) so speaking of las vegas weather i have a public service announcement for anyone who may go to vegas in the summer uh you may recall me talking about this uh last year on stargate weekly when we recapped it that i had come down with a cold the first day i was there (laughs) vaguely turns out i probably didn't and i was making myself sick by trying to treat a cold i didn't have uh the air is considerably drier in las vegas you don't say (laughs) And uh, both last year and this year, within 24 hours of arriving, my throat started feeling very scratchy. Last year, I thought it meant I was coming down with a sore throat, that I was coming down with a cold. So I went out to a drugstore and got cold medicine and started taking it immediately so I to avoid being super sick at the convention. And my nose was running all week, and it was sort of miserable, but I felt mostly okay. This year, same thing happened. Within 24 hours, my throat... Felt like I was getting a sore throat, so I went out and I took some DayQuil. And within half an hour of taking DayQuil, my nose started running like a faucet. And this time I put two and two together and realized that if you take DayQuil when you're not sick, it makes your nose run because it's a decongestant. Cool. So, fun... (laughs) I don't don't have anything for you on that. (laughs) 
so all I can say is last year when I was sick all week in Las Vegas, it's because I was making myself sick. Um, <laughs> the sore throat had nothing to do with a cold. It was simply the fact that my throat is not used to the dry air. Yeah, that makes sense. And so if you're coming from a more humid environment and you're in Vegas and your throat starts to hurt, maybe take a cough drop, but don't take cold medicine. It's probably a bad idea. Yeah, I mean, unless they're coming from, like, Phoenix or the Gobi or something. <laughs> right. Almost everyone's right. coming from a less dry climate. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. So, yeah, so give us a, you know, so give us a rundown on what you guys all saw. We can just jump around. Carl, we can save the big thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, you know, what was what was the first thing that you went to? Uh, the first thing I went to was the they had a, a panel on uh, Deep Space Nine um, since it's the 25th anniversary of Deep Space Nine, which I, f- I find hard to believe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I you know as an aside, I remember you know as a kid when uh, Star Trek Six came out and they were celebrating the 25th anniversary of Star Trek, and it seemed like oh you know it started back in the 60s that was so long ago. My parents you know were you know college age when when it came out, so. That, that seemed like forever ago, and now to have a show that I remember coming on the air, I mean, I still, with with Next Generation 2, and it's 30 years old, and Deep Space Nine's 25 years old, it's, where'd the time go? I don't, I don't understand how this could possibly be, but anyway, they, they had a panel with, um, Iris Stephen Bear, uh, who was the head, run, the showrunner for most of Deep Space Nine, I think he t- came on, he took over officially, I think, in the third season? I believe so, yes. Yeah. So he he hosted the panel and it had um, Nicole DeBoer who played Ezri Dax in season seven, uh, Chase Masterson who plays Lita. Um, it had uh, Andrew Robinson who plays Garrick and uh, Jimmy Darren who played um, Vic Fontaine, and it was just kind of a you know kind of hang back and reminisce about the time on the show and then take questions from the audience. And it it was a really interesting panel. I thought it was aside from. Uh, Andrew Robinson, it wasn't your usual cast of characters, so to speak, um, which which I kind of liked. It was it was more the recurring characters because I think for, for for my sense, you know, I think Deep Space Nine really distinguishes itself from the other shows in that they had the main cast and then they almost had a B cast that was almost on par, I would say, with with the main cast in terms of they're coming in and out of the show pretty regularly. Um, and it was it was all about you know who uh, I. Iris Stephen Bear asked questions about, you know, their their reflections on the show, things they wish that had been done differently, things they wish they'd had, had a chance to explore with their characters that they didn't, and et cetera, and that sort of stuff. So it was, it was very uh, it was a very interesting panel and a lot of comments that I hadn't seen before because again it wasn't the usual people who sit down and do the talking head interviews that you see on special features and things like that. And actually, the first thing I saw at the at, at the at the convention, I have to say, was actually Thad because uh, we, we arranged to to, to to uh, meet up and sit together in the in the the, the main theater there, so he at was actually the first panel, person I fair, ran into yes. at the panel. Yes, yes. Wow, that sounds like it would have been a good time for you guys. We had to meet up because we were getting some pictures together. Oh yeah, the shared photo ops and all that. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I bet the pictures cost a little bit more than they did at Treklanta. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, everything costs a little bit more than it did at Treklanta. That's probably true. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, uh, the pictures did cost more. Uh, in fact, right after we did that, like, right after that panel, we went and 
Now I can't remember. Was did we do Jason Isaacs first, or did we do Andrew Robinson first? Um, Andrew Robinson was first, and then it was kind of go back to the back of the line. That's right. Yeah, we did two again. pictures right away. We went when we went to get our picture with Andrew Robinson in Star Trek Discovery uniforms. So you know that didn't make <laughs> yes. sense. But then we we wore those same uniforms with, for Jason Isaacs, where it did make sense. Yes, I have to say that I kind of felt bad for the other three panelists because a lot of times you would see people get up and say, "Oh, I have a question for Andrew Robinson because he is." He he was one, probably the most popular non main cast character, um, maybe even in Star Trek to, at this point. Yeah, um, just because that that character is so well loved by by fans, just because of how complicated he is and, and how, how honestly fantastic Andrew Robinson is playing him. Um, there were there were a lot of questions that kind of left the other three uh, out a little bit, but they, they were also good at kind of jumping in and, and filling in and ask, answering questions when they weren't necessarily directed at them. So it's not like they sat there quietly, but uh, there were a lot of um, of uh, questions directed at Andy Robinson specifically. And I think it just goes to show that, you know, if creation, if you're listening, you know, maybe you should consider giving him his own spot at some point because he, w- he could fill 45 minutes of his own time easily. Uh, but I, I will say part of that probably comes from the fact that Andy Robinson doesn't come every year either. Uh, whereas, mm-hmm. uh, cause the others were all there last year and he wasn't. So, okay. uh, for the people that come all the time, they've heard the others speak more often. Mm-hmm. Well, next year, Thad or Carl, I'm going to need you to ask Nicole DeBoer what it was like working with Anthony Michael Hall on the dead zone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say the, this is jumping around, but I think you know, on to that to that end, I think the only person I really noticed getting questions about non Star Trek stuff, um, people kept asking uh, Rika Sharma about you know her experience on Battlestar Galactica and other shows yeah. like that because she's she's kind of uniquely <laughs> spread around all these different fandoms at this point. But uh, I I think a lot of a lot of the people seem to be you know specifically talking to about Star Trek and didn't really go off the and other things, but I will keep that in mind if I have the chance to ask. Jason Isaacs got a couple Malfoy questions, and uh, oh, did he? And Kate Mulgrew yeah, talked I'm... about Orange is the New Black. Oh, okay, yeah, because I missed I missed that. Unfortunately, I wasn't there in time for the his one on one panel. But... Yeah, uh, someone asked. Uh, I forget what the question was, but someone asked Isaacs about Malfoy, and he just went on this long discussion about how Malfoy's character boils down to the fact that he's a racist, mm. which is pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not sure that there's really anything else you can add to that. <laughs> Classist? <laughs> and racist? And I, I will say it's a test it's a, it's a testament to Jason Isaac's acting in that he's absolutely nothing like any of the characters I've seen him play. He's no, he's not. Genuinely one of the nicest people I've seen uh doing this kind of thing. But he's also super sarcastic, which is great. Yes, he is. He is. <laughs> he uh until well, the big thing, uh, Jason mm-hmm. Isaacs was the highlight of the week for me. Uh, his panel was great because I mean, his it was just him. It was he talked for a while. In fact, he talked for a long time until they said, "Hey, you got you have to answer some questions." Um, and then he t- started taking questions. Then he was great. Uh, I I wasn't re- I was kind of expecting him to be a little stuffy, but he wasn't at all. He was just a joy to listen to. Yeah, because he always comes across on screen like that he is taking whatever role he's in just incredibly seriously which Mm -hmm. i mean is probably the hallmark of a 
you know, serious and professional actor. But it, it, it is interesting to hear. I, I heard about his, his one thing, uh, what was it? He's like, you know, for anybody who hasn't seen all of Discovery yet, uh, guess what? There's going to be some spoilers. Yeah, except those weren't quite the words he used. <laughs> yeah, no. <I'm... laughs> uh, Jason Isaacs dropped more F-bombs in his panel than all of the other actors combined all week. I can just imagine by people like, all right, all right, listen, just you, you might want to get your effing kids out of here because I'm going <laughs> to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was it, it, it. He was hilarious. He was great. Uh, also, it, it's interesting. Um, multiple actors uh, at 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 whatever point in their in their discussion would say, "Now they said not to get political, but and they all had at least a little something to say about the current state of United States political affairs. None of it good. Yeah, we're in a bad way, but that's not what this show is about. Yeah. So we won't get political." Right. Uh, mm. it, it was interesting though. Colomini had a very uh, impassioned rant on his, in his. He was on the first day, so it was funny. Every time someone else said, I'm, "I'm sorry about getting political," and they were always like way tamer than his. It's like, yeah, it's no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it was great. Uh, actually, Colomini was one of the ones I was excited to, to see because he does not come every year or even close because he is a working actor who still does a lot of stuff. Uh, and I got my picture taken with him while I was wearing an O'Brien outfit. I unfortunately left my wig at home. I was going to wear a curly-haired wig for it, but the picture still came out pretty good. Uh, and his his he, they had him up with uh, Hannah Hate, who played Molly O'Brien, his daughter on DS9, mm-hmm. and she's in her 30s now. If you want to feel old, <laughs> that was another that was another part of that. Uh, but yeah, uh, I definitely felt for her the same way you were saying with the people up with Andy Robinson because. There were a couple of people who asked her a question, but most people just asked Colm stuff. I have to wonder how much she actually remembers, though. I mean, because she was really young yeah. when she was on a lot of the show. I mean, towards the end, she was, you know, maybe six or seven, I guess. Right. Um, maybe a little older. Because she's not in the show much later in Deep Space Nine, if I remember correctly. Uh, um, a couple episodes. A couple episodes, like the one with Keiko getting possessed by the paw wraiths. And, and there's the but, one where she falls into the time thing. Oh, that's right. Yep. Time's Orphan. That's what it's called. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, uh, th- that was fun. Uh, they called that the DS9 Retrospective Part 1, and then yep. we waited until Friday to have Part 2. <laughs> and then uh, we kind of had Part 3 on Sunday. Uh, there was a there was a screening of the DS9 episode Far Beyond the Stars, followed by mm-hmm. a star-studded panel afterwards with a whole bunch of guests. Uh Let's see if I can name it off the top of my head. There was uh, Terry Farrell, uh, Sirach Lofton, Jeffrey Combs, J.G. Hertzler, uh, Mark Alimo, uh, <laughs> Armin Shimmerman, Rene Aubergenois. I'm probably the uh, Naw Visitor. So basically, all of the big names from DS9, except Colomini, who had already been there, and uh, Avery Brooks and Alexander Sadeg, who were not there at all this year. Yeah, that's that might be the one thing that I was the most disappointed that I wasn't going to be there for. Um, one, because that's one of my all-time favorite episodes. And, and two, just to see that, that group of people together uh, up on stage. And I thought you told me that uh, Jeffrey Combs wasn't going to be there. I thought he wasn't, but he was. Okay. I was wrong. Because I, I, I saw some pictures of, of he and Marco Lamo 
sitting together on the stage. So, so hey, that's that's Jeffrey Combs. So I almost uh, got a photo with Mark Alimo because I figured since we had gotten with Andy Robinson and then also with Casey Biggs Demar, I should get mm-hmm. the tri- Cardassian trifecta. But his photo op was during the screening of Far Beyond the Stars. Oh no! Yeah, that's that makes no sense. That's just bad timing. Yes. Well, so, they squeezed a lot into that final day because a couple weeks before the con, uh, they suddenly announced that the Discovery cast were all coming. Oh. And the big Discovery panel was also on Sunday, and they all had their mm-hmm. photo ops that day, too, so that they were running out of time on Sunday. Again, um, that's another one that I was kind of kicking myself over not making. I was I was happy that um, on Saturday... I was able to make the, uh, the first discovery panel, which mm-hmm. was kind of the, the, the bridge crew, uh, the people that, you know, we haven't really, we've seen on screen, but we haven't really gotten to know. Um, and it, it was neat to hear kind of their story about how they, they, uh, you know, they got, they auditioned and they got on the show and, and their experiences there. And, and I, I feel really awful. I'm blanking on, on the guy's name, the one, um, uh, who, Sam Bartholomew. Yes. Thank you. Who, I don't know what he's, I, I don't know if this is his, his normal demeanor, but he was poking a lot of fun at the fact that he got killed twice. Yes. And he, he, he in kept, the presence of Michael you know, Burnham, both in times. the presence of Michael Burnham. And he kept to the point where he was judging the costume competition later. And when somebody came out as Mira Burnham, he kind of played up the fact that, and that if I remember correctly, didn't they ask her to kill him on stage? Yes, they did. And she yeah. Did. Yeah. So, but, uh, no, he was he was uh, he was having a good time with it. I think. Yeah, I like the thing where he said, "I I don't want to be seen. I don't want to be anywhere with Sinequa. I don't want to be in an elevator with her. I don't want." <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Uh, so yeah, there was just a lot of stuff all week long. Just Star Trek, Star Trek, Star Trek, which is kind of the whole point. Uh, <laughs> but no. No, no Star Wars mixed in there. That's that's surprising. I did see a few people in Star Wars cosplay. Yes, I did too. Yeah, interesting. I did not see anyone in Stargate cosplay this year. Last year there was a guy in a SG One uniform walking around. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, Paul McGillian wasn't there this year, so that I can't remember. I'm not sure if Connor Trenier was there this year or not. Actually, I didn't see the Enterprise panel. But there was an Enterprise panel. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, it's all Star Trek all the time, so. The only show that didn't get a panel was the animated series. Well, <laughs> well, technically, there's no TOS panel either because none of the actors will be on stage with William Shatner. But <laughs> oh, is that right? Oh yeah. So that's why uh, Walter and George had their own solo things because yeah, they're, they're not gonna appear with William Shatner. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, there's a lot of yeah. a lot of history there. We're not um, gonna d- dig too much into that. There was also some tension between Shatner and Isaacs this uh, this yeah. week too, but we don't really need to cover that either. No. Was uh was Nichelle Nichols there? Nichelle Nichols she was, was there. there. This is possibly going to be her last year, uh, because no. she had they had announced at San Diego Comic Con last month that this was her last Comic Con, and uh, so. It's it's entirely possible this will be her last Star Trek Las Vegas. She is not doing very well. No, I oh, actually shame. almost got run over by her assistant um, in on the 
the floor of the Rio, uh, going back to my room one, one evening. And it was one of those situations where I, I'm not going to just stop them because it's, you know, I recognize, uh, Nichelle Nichols. Um, but she was being, you know, wheeled around, uh, on the floor and I almost got my foot run over literally, um, by her, but that was, that was my only real experience with her. And, I mean, that and could be a claim to fame. You got your foot run over by Nichelle Nichols. It could be. Um, but, uh, I, I didn't quite, unfortunately, well, I shouldn't say unfortunately, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, and, and that was, that was the thing that, that struck me too. And, and that, I think you were there when, um, uh, we passed Adam Nimoy and Terry Farrell walking the floor and yes. I had to do one of those. Cause you know, I, my brain just doesn't connect quickly enough sometimes. And, and it has just to wait, wait a minute. That was so-and-so, you know, and then I have to stop and turn around and the, the moments passed. I'm not... I'm not, because certain people just, you don't recognize them immediately. At least I don't from what they look like on screen or how I expect them to, to look in person. So, um, but yeah, we, we did pass by them on our way somewhere. I forget where we were, where we were going, but, but that happened. And that's, that's, I've heard people say that that tends to happen a lot. Oh, yeah. Just kind of pass by, um, these, these famous people or even end up in the elevator with them sometimes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I saw Ira Stephen Bear walking around like five or six times. Well, he had that distinctive prisoner shirt on. Yes, he did. Uh, which I would have loved to ask him about it. But I, again, I'm, I'm not one of those people that's going to interrupt somebody walking to somewhere when they're walking with three yeah, people and no. talking to them. You know, I don't, I don't want to stop and, you know, interrupt what they're doing and, uh, you know, just to butt in and because they're, they're someone famous, you know, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I walked past, uh, Mike and Denise Akuda a couple times too. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to say hi to them, but I, yeah. For those who are unaware, Mike and Denise Okuda were uh, design set designers and uh, production designers for Star Trek. They designed all of the interface panels on all of the Star Treks from TNG through Enterprise. So they're who we can blame about the fact that, you know, touchscreens are not always the best interface when you sometimes are getting, like, blown up. Yes. <laughs> cool. So what I was going to say was that... Um, Anyway, obviously, if they're there for this event, then there's like some level of like expectation that they might get. I mean, not cornered or like people are going to try to get their attention. But you know, the flip side obviously is that I have to imagine that most people are like, okay, well, I mean, they have a table somewhere. I can get my thirty seconds with them there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, like you know, like, like what you were saying, Carl. It's like, well, they got like three people already there talking with them. They're walking they're like actively trying to get somewhere right yeah i i don't uh subscribe to the whole idea of like oh well you're a famous person therefore you don't deserve privacy <laughs> so yeah. although that said people who are wo- who are willing to do that sometimes fortune favors the bold uh because uh michael giacchino was there the composer and he was not doing autographs or anything. He was not meeting any fans. Uh, specifically, it said on the page that he would not sign autographs at all. Uh, and uh, uh, Shashank Avaru of Politrex happened to recognize him in the hall and got a picture with him. Yep. Well, there you go, yeah. He tweeted it out and made us all jealous. Yes. So... <laughs> so uh... Lots of cool panels. Yeah. Plenty of stars. You got lots of good photo ops. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about some of like, the extracurricular activities? Like you, you said there was a concert. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure there were other like you know parties and, and oh, yeah. uh, events and galas. So talk about some of those. Okay. So on... Just pick a deck. Tuesday night. 
there was the uh, before the con had officially started uh, after pre-registration, but before the uh, there was the uh, there was the landing party, uh, which was a trivia contest that I couldn't hear anything in, so I didn't get to I didn't really participate in because there was just too many people in in this crowded into this one space and you couldn't hear anything. Uh, so you didn't win all the candy. I did not. Ugh. I, I, oh, I won other trivia things throughout the week. Don't worry. Uh, but and then on Wednesday night, um, the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network had their party, uh, which was which was a lot of fun. Uh, we played Star Trek themed Cards Against Humanity, and had some other th- some other cool things. There were there were and there were some trivia questions that. They were throwing out prizes for things, and I, I got a wharf tiki cup and a live long and prosper backpack. So, oh, nice. So then on Thursday, uh, I know Trek FM had a party uh, that was off the that was on the strip, and I was not able to go to that. But I, I do know some other people went to that and had some fun. Um, there was a podcaster uh, mixer on Thursday night that I did go to, to rep Delta Flyer, of course. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then there was a, there was some bar trivia there run by Trek Movie. And I and some other people, we we formed a team that we called the 170 Winners. Ooh. And uh, we got second place. Oh. So that was fun. Another what good one could have been the 170 Wonders. We thought about <laughs> that. But then we thought winners was even better. It is. It is. I better. think it. I, I think it might be better. Uh, yeah. But then you, you know. But then you don't have any opportunities for people to be like. But it says the Oneaters. No, the the wonders. Got it. Looks like the Oneaters. <laughs> yeah. Sick <laughs> reference, bro. Thank you. I'm proud of my references and how sick they are. I don't give them any dayquil though. And those questions were hard too. Like, uh, one of them was, "What was Seven of Nine's father's first name?" Well, I know this. I know it because we talked about it. But. Yeah. Well, Carl, what is it? <laughs> Magnus. Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, those questions were hard, but we, uh, we there were a couple of people who knew a lot of them, so we did get. And so there were some interesting prizes in there. One was a Blu-ray of Star Trek Four, which all of us on the team already owned, so we turned it back to them. But. Uh, <laughs> Uh, there were some other things. There were some pins, and uh, the prize that I kept from the bag uh, was the uh, Star Trek TNG cat, uh, Cats book, which has uh, cats dressed up as the various characters on TNG. Also, I thought it was just—I thought it was just a bunch of pictures of Spot, but <laughs> like the various iterations of Spot as he morphs out of canon, he and, and she turns into he. Yes, because he's not a tabby cat. I—I I don't think. I think like the first time he shows up, he's a different breed of cat or something. I thought it was always an orange tabby. I do know that it yeah. changes gender. Well, yes, because he's it's a well, he until he changes until sex. he has 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 uh, kittens and mm-hmm. well, thank goodness he has kitten or she has kittens because otherwise the crew would have remained de evolved. That's true. So that's a that's a good thing. Yeah, it went right over my head, but oh. <laughs> you need to watch more TNG, Stuart. Apparently. <laughs> I'll get right on that after I get done watching, you know, all of Voyager. So Friday, uh, Carl and I went to a dinner at Caesar's Palace, which we had an eventful trip there where we all crammed very tightly into a limo. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> 
Well, it's it's funny. I mean, you say we're all all nine of us are going to get in this limo, and and one of us is is uh, a podcaster on Trek FN named uh, Brandon Shea Mutala, who is one of the he's just a big guy. And the best way to describe up. Brandon Mutala is <laughs> he's a clean shaven Hodor. <laughs> okay, tell me I'm wrong, Carl. No, I I. I got nothing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, physically, he says more than Hodor, yeah, obviously. As a podcaster, yes, he yeah. must. Right. Yeah. Yes, he does. That would be funny. Yes. But, so, like, so, like, well over six feet tall, like, the whole, like, and just, like, just a, just a big, imposing kind of guy. He is a very large man. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Very, very nice guy, but he's oh, yeah. very large. And, and he, I have to say, he, he sent out one of my favorite, um, tweets that out of context is is classic where he just said something about how fat has nice legs. <laughs> yes, um, he did. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to explain the context of that one. So yeah, no, we'll uh, we'll leave that up to the viewers or listeners. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and and then we proceeded to take a tour of the entire Caesar's Palace trying to find this because restaurant. we went in exa- in completely the wrong direction trying to find we the restaurant. Did. <laughs> and, and if if anyone if people have not been to Vegas and not been to a, a casino hotel in vegas you have no idea how large these places are and how disorienting they can be to try to walk around and find a way because there are no straight lines anywhere by design and yeah i'm about to say i'm pretty sure it's by design it it absolutely is and and you go into this there's this area called the forum shops that has a fake ceiling painted on the sky uh, on like a fake sky painted on the ceiling there you and go. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I kind of had that backwards. <laughs> Fake sky <laughs> on the ceiling, and and it changes color throughout the day, and it gives you this really disorienting kind of like, am I outside? No, I'm not outside. But it, it it's it's just this weird. I've never had an experience quite like uh, one of those casinos there. Um, it's just just very very disorienting, and and of course we ended up going the wrong way, and but we ended up having to go over there anyway because we went to the. Um, the Trek geeks, uh, Bill and Dan had a party after yes. the dinner and that happened to be about as far as you could possibly get and still be in Caesar's palace from where we went. Dinner. Yeah. How did you, how, you left before the rest of us to get there? A couple of us left. Yeah. I guess. Cause we'd paid our bill and, and we thought we were behind us and we went halfway there and we're like, Oh, they're not here. Um, well, uh, John Krikorian gave us a walking tour of Caesar's palace on our way to the, well, Oh, because we, we stayed close to him because he actually knew where he was going. Yes. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it turns out the forum shops at Caesar's Palace are actually um, the most profitable by area shopping mall in the United States. I did not know that, wow. but I can believe it. Because when it comes down to it, most of the stores in the forum shop, I'm too poor to even go through the doors. Yeah. <laughs> and they're mostly there because people win big at Vegas and like, I want to spend this money. Right. I want to buy a like, $1,000 pair of Gucci sunglasses or something. Right. Exactly. And right. like a $10,000 handbag because reasons. <laughs> but yeah, we did. Uh, we went to the the Trek Geeks podcast was partnering with fan sets, which are which make. Well, pins. They make fandom pins for a whole bunch of different things. They make Harry Potter, Star Wars, Star Trek, etc. Actually, they may not make Star Wars. I don't remember. But anyway, they make they make Star Trek, uh, Marvel, DC, etc. And obviously, they had a lot of Star Trek pins there at the con, and they were having a big party with uh, with uh, giveaways and prizes, and that was a really nice party. But it was a lot of people 
packed into a relatively small bar. Ooh. So yeah, I no bueno. ended up leaving about half an hour after I got there. But I did get mm-hmm. one pin right. I did. I did win a pin because I answered the question of who Doctor Pulaski had sexual relations with, <laughs> and it was Kyle Riker, William Riker's father. Yeah, and I happened to come in the door, like I mean, literally six inches inside the door when they asked a question that I knew the answer to. So I was able to uh, snag a set of the original cast pins. Oh yeah, that's um, right. You did get yeah, those. Yeah. So the question was, uh, who was captain of the? Uh, the USS Rutledge during the Cardassian Federation uh, conflict. And conveniently, earlier that day, Carl and I had just talked about that because we were looking at a poster that he was on. Yes. Yeah, so it's uh, Captain Ben Maxwell from who was in The Wounded was the episode that he appeared in. Uh, so we just, just happened to be talking about him, and lo and behold, he was the answer to a question. And I can't remember the name of the actor, but he was the warden in Shawshank Redemption, and he was on Daredevil as Oh, well. yeah. Uh, Bob Gunson, I think? That sounds something, right. Something like something that? Something to that, that effect. Sounds, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that sounds about right. I mean, that, I mean, I mean, talk about an actor who's been in, who's been in everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. That party was a lot of fun, uh, but it was just, for me, I was just getting way too much simulation, so I didn't stay there much uh, very long. But it was cool. Uh, now mm-hmm. Saturday, um, the Tricorder Transmissions Network had their second party of the week. Uh, they they were doing uh, a Night of Diversity party, which was to celebrate diversity in Star Trek and out of Star Trek, just diversity in general. And uh, I managed to show up for that for about 20 minutes before the gala. I was going to come back after the gala, but because the gala ran long, that didn't happen. But what was really cool is uh, this is a party for diversity, and uh, uh, Wil- Wilson Cruz and Anthony Rapp just showed up at the party. And uh, Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. 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 So for those who may not follow Discovery or the actors, Wilson Cruz and Anthony Rapp are both gay men who play gay men in Star Trek. So for a diversity party, it make oh, and Wilson Cruz is also, as his name may suggest, is also a Latino man. So the diversity thing, it they were, mm-hmm. you know, the perfect celebrities to show up at something like that. And, and they're both very active uh, yes. in that community as well. So, you know, advocacy and things like that. So mm-hmm. it, it does make sense. Um, that's another, that's another event that, uh, unfortunately I had, I had a four hour drive, um, to, to tackle. Um, and I'd originally planned on staying a little longer and, and it was just one of those things where I, it, these, these conventions, you know, between the stimulation of all, all the events and meeting people and talking to people and then just the amount of walking you have to do. Oh yeah. Um, I, I just, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, I, for safety reasons, I had to leave um, a little earlier than I'd initially planned, but uh, I think it was the right call. But I I didn't get to where I had to be until a little after one o'clock, so uh, and just you know decided to let myself be more mature than I probably would have been you know five years ago, and and had had to to bow out unfortunately. So, but uh, Thad, were you there when when I was? Um, I was there up? when they oh, walked I, in, great. and of course Wonderful. the whole room erupted uh oh i bet yeah i can't imagine i i mean it was the second largest whole room eruption i had been in that day but uh yes <laughs> which mm. actually uh what we could, could you be probably talking about? uh we can probably talk about that you want to talk about the thing <laughs> yeah okay so on i think it was on it was on wednesday when at the first panel when they first uh when they first you know started the opening 
ceremony per se, which really is just them come come out and say, "Hell, welcome to Star Trek Las Vegas." But anyway, Adam Malin, the head of Creation Entertainment, who introduced a lot of panels and uh, etc. Creation Entertainment is the company that runs the convention. Uh, he said. Now, I'm going to tell you that there's going to be a, a special thing that happens after William Shatner's panel on Saturday. I'm not going to tell you any more, but stick around because you're not going to want to miss it. So we are we were all sort of wondering what that might be. And then Saturday morning, he announced uh, that after William Shatner's panel, Alex Kurtzman, who's the showrunner for Discovery and also in charge of developing new Star Trek shows at CBS... Uh, it was going to be coming out to talk about the future of Star Trek. So I was a little more excited at that point, knowing what might happen. Uh, there was some speculation. Uh, a lot of us, uh, what we settled on were two things that it was probably going to be, at least from the people I was talking to, that it was either going to be they were going to announce who was going to play Spock in Season 2 of Discovery, mm-hmm. or they were going to tell us details about one of the new shows that are that's in, that's in the early stages of production. Yeah, my understanding is that CBS wants to do, like, all Star Trek all the time now. Yeah, that news actually came out after the convention. Uh, yes, they want okay. they want to have Star Trek on at all times because they noticed that uh, they lost a lot of subscribers when Discovery went off the air. <laughs> Shocking, I know. I'm, I'm, one of the, I'm one of them, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so... So we were a little more excited, but I wasn't expecting anything huge uh, because San Diego Comic-Con had just happened a couple weeks before and they had done a lot of stuff about Discovery. We saw the trailer for season two and there was a lot of stuff that was happening. So I wasn't expecting anything really big because last year they had some Discovery panels and they gave us some stuff. But again, basically it was a repeat of what they had done at Comic-Con two weeks before. So I was expecting something similar this year. Uh but I will give creation credit. It was, uh, this was how they managed to convince me to go to a William Shatner panel. Um, I had, I had already seen him before. I didn't really need to see him again. Right. Uh, but I did show up, saw the end of it. Uh, and, uh, Alex Kurtzman came out and this was the first time Alex Kurtzman had ever been to a Star Trek convention, by the way. Uh, he's in addition Wild. To, to currently running Discovery and being in charge of developing new shows. He was also involved with the Kelvin timeline movies. Uh, right, no, I knew that. Uh, like Kurtzman and Orsi mm-hmm. did the Kelvin Timeline movies because they had worked with J.J. Abrams already before on right. Lost. And, God, I want to say maybe Alias as well? I, I think so, yeah. Well, they, I think they wrote Mission Impossible 3 as well. Yes. I, but I think, we won't I hold think... that... A, oh, no, Mission Impossible no, 3 is a, good. A good. 3, yeah, 3, Impossible 3. 3 is good. Okay, never mind. I was thinking 2. Which was also Abrams' directorial debut. Yep. Really? Yes, mm-hmm. and up until Fallout had like the longest sequence probably of uh, Tom Cruise running when he runs across all of mainland China. Okay, that was Abrams' film directorial debut. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that, yeah that's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say because he did Alias and Lost before that. Right. Anyway, and so Kurtzman didn't comes he do on stage. Dark Angel as well. No, that was James Cameron. That was James Cameron. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Anyway, uh, so anyway, Alex Kurtzman comes out. He tells us he has something exciting to tell us about a new show, but he's not the right person to tell us. And then the doors open. I should explain on the stage. There's a TNG holodeck door. You know, the, the bright orange ones that sort of interlock. Yeah. 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 Uh, and whenever guests came out, the doors would open. People would walk out. The doors would close. So the doors Did open. Did they make the noise? They do not make the noise. 
Damn. I know. The doors open, and out walks Patrick freaking Stewart. Nice. He was not a guest at this con. No. This was, there was no way anyone would have suspected this, or even begun to think it might have been him. But there he was, and the room went nuts, because <laughs> obviously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This is the right crowd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um and he he says hello. He starts talking about how he thought he had left Star Trek behind a long time ago, but he had been but in the the way the way the world had been going recently, he'd been taking comfort in watching Star Trek TNG to see the way the world could be and that they had brought some hope to people and which of course the crowd's eating up because obviously that's right. a big reason that people like star trek uh right and, and it didn't hurt that cbs backed a couple of tractor trailers up to his house just full of money oh i'm sure uh and <laughs> yeah and then he said the words that everyone was expecting him to say as soon as he walked out jean-luc picard will be back mm-hmm. nice yeah. and then the room erupted again <laughs> yes only more, only more so <laughs> yeah. yeah and and i i just wish i'd had the foresight to get out my camera and just record Thad's reaction to to, to, to this announcement because man, you were you were I was uh, excited. You were excited. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was. It, I tweeted in all caps that with profanity. Yeah, yeah, and neither thing yes, happened very often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. it was it was a big deal. Yeah. So, but they didn't give any clues at all as to like what form the show would take. Uh, the only details we have are that it's 20 years after we last saw him. And okay, so it's very probably not like TNG 2. Yeah, it's almost certainly not going to be TNG 2. He also said that Picard may not still be a captain. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's going to be very different, but it's going to be very different from TNG, I, I believe is what he was trying to say. Uh, but he is still going to try to capture that same feeling of a better future in this so which is what star trek is all about so yeah we don't know much the show is still very early in development and i highly doubt it's going to be a long-running show i doubt they're getting i i'm i suspect it's more going to be some sort of mini series the, the mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. a farewell yeah. to picard but it's, i feel like they're i mean maybe not to the extent that they did in the film but i feel like it's going to be kind of a logan-esque kind of sunset to the character would be wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if they go that route. Um, yeah, I think so but, as well. And and I don't know if if anyone uh, follows Dayton Ward on Twitter, but he's having a a lot of fun trolling um, his what his quote unquote trusted sources are telling him about the new series. <laughs> um, but my favorite one that I have that I've seen that I saved here it says uh, the new. Picard's Star Trek series is set 20 years after Nemesis. It's a remake of the third season episode Captain's Holiday, with Sam Jackson and John Travolta as alien time travelers, trying to secure an ancient weapon for their employer, Burlingoff Rasmussen. And then in all caps, I have trusted sources. So, <laughs> okay, so the which, reason... Which I would, I would watch that. Yeah, I would too. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the reason that Dayton Ward is doing this trolling, because Dayton Ward always trolls people who are ridiculous. It, uh, he's a very fun... Twitter follower for people person to follow on Twitter for people who don't know Drayton Ward ha- is a Star Trek novelist he's written probably more Star Trek novels than 
anybody else except maybe Keith DeCandido. The DeCandido. Uh, and yeah, so he, and he's also writing, currently writing new Star Trek novels. So if anyone's in the know on Star Trek, it's Dayton Ward. Uh, and there was, uh, a bit of a kerfuffle on Twitter in recent days, um, from some people who are convinced of the conspiracy theory that all, that all new Star Trek is in the Kelvin timeline, despite the fact that CBS exists, it's not. Uh, and there's someone who said he had trusted sources at CBS Paramount that the new Picard series will be in the Kelvin timeline. Mm-hmm. And that's a load of crap, of course. It's not. I don't even know how that would work. Yeah, exactly. But whatever. <laughs> People be crazy, yo. Yes. You know, they see a couple of lens flares, and they just, like it's like their brain shuts down. Yeah, no, there are people who continue to say that the only reason CBS says Discovery's not in the Kelvin timeline is because they don't want people to stop watching. Which is weird on a bunch of fronts, because for one thing, it implies that people don't want the Kelvin timeline movies, which in the, the vast majority, most Star Trek fans like them. I would say there are people who don't, and that's fine. You don't have to like everything. But most Star Trek fans like most of the Kelvin Timeline movies. Well, and the only reason I would imagine they made Discovery was because of the popularity. Exactly. Like, I mean, Star Trek had its pretty, you know, strong fan base uh, leading Mm -hmm. up through Nemesis. But then, you know, the sour taste that Nemesis left, I guess, in a lot of people and the way Enterprise wound up, even though the fourth season was markedly better, um, Mm -hmm. you know... the JJ movies, I mean, they opened up the, the franchise to a whole bunch of new people who hadn't mm-hmm. been into it before, and, and some who went back and got really into the original material, and others who didn't, and there's nothing wrong with that. But to, to then claim that, you know, the Kelvin timeline is somehow tainted is, is just frankly ridiculous to me, I think. Yes. And it's not, but even if it were, the show's the CBS shows are not in the Kelvin timeline. They can't even be in the Kelvin timeline. The Kelvin timeline is a property that's owned by Paramount Pictures, which is mm-hmm. not the same company as CBS. Yeah, Paramount has a couple, three more letters than CBS. <laughs> and none of them are even the same. Yeah. Which, if I remember correctly, is why, you know, the Bruce Greenwood simply couldn't play Captain Pike uh, Correct. on Discovery, even though, you know, I'm really happy with where we ended up with Anson Mount and everything, but... Yeah, I think Anson yeah. Mount, based on the trailer, and based on the, his... He looks just like Jeffrey Hunter. It's, he does. It's kind it's of amazing. Insane. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Anson Mount is, I think, is going to be great as, as yeah. Captain Bike. Uh, I loved him in the trailer, and he was also on one of the panels at STLV, and he was great. Yeah, that trailer was pretty cool. It got me excited for season two. I'm confused about the uniforms, but I'm sure that you'll explain it to me at length uh, at some point I can in the near future. To. No, no, no. Because <laughs> uh, there is uh, an I have to. <laughs> I have to be at work tomorrow, and I'm pretty sure that if you started talking about it now, I will be late. So I have I have to share uh, one funny story. Uh, unless I'm sorry, I don't I don't want to you know derail any more conversation. Um, um, we weren't. I mean, derailment that was is done. the name of the game on Delta Flyer, Carl. That reminded me of of a wonderfully ironic moment that happened where um, 
sometime on Saturday, I I don't remember where it was, but Thad lost one of his rank pips on his collar. Yes, I did. Which which I just, given the many discussions over the inconsistency of rank pips uh, on Voyager uh, (laughs) on on this show, I, I just had to acknowledge the fact that, you know, Thad going from a commander to a lieutenant by mistake because he lost a rank pip was just a little too too ironic to not make the, note of. The so irony was not lost yes. on me. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you pulled a Tuvok. I did pull a Tuvok. He pulled a Tuvok, yes. Yeah. I, uh, the And the responses from people when I put that on Twitter were great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could not have happened to a more appropriate person. Well, and you you asked me something like, you know, well, will I get it back if I go through a random door? And I said, well, you said you had extra pips in your in your hotel room, so technically, yes. Uh, um, my <laughs> the, my favorite response to that was um, from uh, uh, Tristan Riddell on Twitter, mm-hmm. and he posted the gif from, uh, or not another gif, a still shot. From uh, the Voyager episode where Paris gets demoted and Janeway oh. is pulling a rank pip off his collar. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that is the really convenient thing about the rank pips is that you know, like you couldn't really do that with our current military because like the rank changes shape, like mm-hmm. you know, from like lieutenant to captain, you know, and then, like a like, major and colonel, lieutenant colonel, all that. It's like basically they only keep like the same basic shape for like two ranks in a row at most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, what are you gonna do? Like, like, to, like, tear the little wings off the bird? It's like, well, you're lieutenant colonel now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that it, the irony was not lost on me that I, that I of you know rank pip obsession obsession fame was the one that lost a pip. <laughs> Were you at least carrying the correct phaser? I was carrying the correct phaser. I bought the correct phaser at in the vendor's room. It starts with Las Vegas, actually. How much did that set you back? I don't remember, actually. It wasn't that much. It was a... Uh, oh, that's good. <laughs> it, it wasn't a screen-accurate prop or anything. It was... Um, okay. It was the the Playmates toy from the 90s. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, open box... It was it was loose, too. It wasn't, like, mint in box or anything. But, no, this is... It was the... The phaser I bought was... Is the new phaser that they shouldn't have had on Voyager. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. I presume that's what you meant, yeah. Because this was the phaser for my um, joystick Riker from Insurrection mm-hmm. cosplay. All right, so Carl. Oh yes. Uh, next to the big news, what was like? What was first runner up for an event that you attended there? Um, probably the f- the the f- what they called the fan geeks party, the the fan set slash trick geeks party, mostly because um, I got to meet a whole bunch of folks that. I interacted with uh, people like Jim Morehouse and uh, Jeff Hewlett, and uh, I, I'm blanking on names now. But there were there were multiple people who you know I I gotten to know quote unquote virtually and and just kind of hang out with them and you know BS about Star Trek uh, was was fantastic. Um, you know all all the panels I went to were great. Um, I I learned that that Thad has an remarkable inability to look at a camera um, when his picture's being taken. (laughs) (laughs) So there's Um, a great picture that I have from last year at Star Trek Las Vegas where um, 
a bunch of DS9 cosplayers, myself included, are posing in front of the Delta in the Rotunda with Ira Stephen Bear because he happened to be walking by, and I am the only person looking at the camera. <laughs> Everyone else is looking at another camera that someone else is taking a picture with. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just that bad. I'm never, yeah, I'm never really sure, uh, like, wh- where would I look? If if they're not being patient and taking turns to take pictures, maybe just like just split the differences, like look at like a neutral point between all the cameras, maybe. Well, but but in in this case, it was one guy with one camera. (laughs) Yeah, but well, I would actually point. I would actually say in those cases, I'm facing. I'm not quite facing the camera, but my eyes are actually looking at the camera. (laughs) Okay, and you know, turnabout is fair play. I would say that in none of my pictures do I look like I'm having a stroke. Well, okay, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, I, I had I, I I don't I don't know what was going on there because because it, it it's one of those things that I was surprised. You know, it's literally like two seconds. Mm-hmm. You're, you're there, boom, you're done, you move on. There's no like okay, get ready and look at you know blah blah blah. It's it's nothing like that. It's it because there's such a line, it's such a process. So. Yeah. Um, you, chances are you're. You know, you have to either be really good at it or be lucky. Some of it. mine are good, some of mine are bad. It's just how it yep. works, and that's true with the actors too that you're getting your picture with. Yes. It, yes, you'll you'll even see on the table like some of them look great, some of them they could be better. Like uh, Andy Robinson isn't smiling in our picture. No, he's not. And Colomini looks like he's a chipmunk or something. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> One you showed me. <laughs> okay, so column. It's yeah, it's column apparently. Column. All right. No, well, I need to go back now and like edit any instance and in older episodes where I said Colm Meany. <laughs> Don't worry, I did it too. Well, at least I'm in company. <laughs> it, I mean, if we both screwed up, it's not good company. That's true. Yeah. Uh, and I would say for me, I know you didn't ask me mm-hmm. what my. I was about to. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, to piggyback a little on what Carl said, the best that even aside, like my. Like, the biggest memory is gonna be the Patrick Stewart, cause that, in that, for that, I feel like I was there for a big moment in Star Trek history. It's Patrick Stewart announcing that Picard is back. The fact oh, that, yeah. it, it, that's just awesome. Uh, but I would say, like, one of my, one of the highlights of the convention for me, uh, this year especially, last year, I didn't know too many people, I mostly just went to stuff and then, I went to the panels and things and then went back to my hotel room for the most part. Uh, I did Mm -hmm. meet a couple people, uh, but in general, I didn't do too much. This year, because of my involvement, uh, partially because of the podcast and just in general involvement in the Star Trek community on Twitter, uh, I was running into people I knew left and right. And it was amazing. The best part was meeting up with old friends, people I didn't know at all, but were cool and were nice to meet. The spending time with other Star Trek fans because everybody there is there for the same reason and we can all we all have something we can talk about because we all like Star Trek and it was incredible I'll, I'll echo that too just because I'm I, I tend to be one of those people that is not the most comfortable in, in social situations where you know you have a, a big gathering and you go into a room with a whole bunch of people and I'm I I I really uh relate to that famous scene in hollow pursuits in 
TNG with Barkley when he's talking about, you know, I'm, I'm the guy that writes down things to say at a party and then ends up, you know, studying a potted plant in the corner. Um, you know, that's just how I am. But to go to a, a, a packed room full of people, but you, you know why they're there, you know, you have this thing in common that, and there's so much content out there that you can find anything to talk about. And it's not going to be the same thing you've already talked about 20 times. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's just, it's just such a open, uh, experience I felt, you know, where, yeah, I don't know any of you, but we, we can talk about this franchise that we are all here to, because we love it. And, and it's, it's just, I felt like it, there was no stress involved in, in going into a situation like that, or if it were not, a specific Star Trek thing where it was just a group of people, I probably would not have enjoyed it at all. At least it would have taken me a long time to get used to it. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that wholeheartedly because I too am, and Stuart can attest to this, am not the most socially adept person. Yeah, that's pretty true. (laughs) (laughs) What? It is. Yeah, no, it is. (laughs) I'm being accurate. (laughs) Uh, on that note, there was another thing, um, that actually did, uh, make me tear up a little bit, uh, when, uh, there was a Voyager panel, uh, early in the week, it may have been on Wednesday, I think it was on Wednesday, actually, uh, with, uh, and this is Delta Flyer, so we should talk about that, uh, it was, uh, Jerry Ryan, Garrett Wong, Tim Russ, and Robert Beltran, uh, a fan, uh, one of the, a fan asked Jerry Ryan how she felt knowing that her character, uh, was helped, uh, people with, uh, people on the autism spectrum relate as a character who was trying to learn how to interact in society and deal with emotions, etc. And she talked for quite a bit about how it hadn't occurred to her at the time, but it means a lot to her now that how that feel, how knowing that people saw that in her, especially because she actually has an autistic child of her own. Uh, and I, I think this has come up before on, on the show. And if it hasn't, oh, well, uh, I am on the high functioning end of the autistic spectrum myself. So that meant a lot to me hearing her say that. Well, that sounds like a nice moment. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't, I had not like ever considered that angle, but it does make a ton of sense. Like seeing, you know, 709's like path mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and evolution. Yeah, I, I, I can see how that touches a lot of people. Yeah, and in the same way for me, uh, I mean, 709 is that way for me. Also, the doctor to some extent and data on TNG uh, because they're all striving to be a, a part of humanity even if they are not conventionally humanity in and of themselves. I mean, I realize 709 started out that way, but... Mm -hmm. Sure. All right. Well, do either of you have any final thoughts? Uh, Carl, you have anything? No, I think think we've covered everything. I mean, unfortunately, like I said, I was only there for the two days. Right. Um, And, you know, I'm really hopeful that, that, you know, to get the full experience uh, at some point in the near future. But... uh, um, you know, definitely enjoyed the two days. It was, it, it was a lot of, a lot more than I expected. I mean, I was tired even after the two days. So, um, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, nothing, you sweet summer child. Well, <laughs> um, but 
you know, just looking forward to continuing to get to know people that I've finally can put, you know, face and a voice to, to names or things go. But, uh, I, I had a fantastic time and, and anyone who hasn't been, but has thought about it and is at all interested in Star Trek, I would definitely recommend it. If it's something that you're able to do, I would recommend doing it at least once. Uh, you, you, you'll have a great time. You'll meet a lot of great people doing it. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And I do understand that there are some people that may not be able to do it. I mean, you need to take the time off and you need to be able to the transportation to Vegas and then staying in Vegas and tickets for the convention. It adds up to a fairly sizable amount of money. Uh, I will say though, for anyone who's interested in going, uh, check out, uh, the unofficial Star Trek Las Vegas group on Facebook. Uh, they have a lot of resources on telling you what to expect at the con, what to do, uh, money saving tips as well. Uh, also uh, related that, that, uh, that group is run by, uh, the podcast Shore Leave, which is about Star Trek con- conventions in general and Star Trek Las Vegas in particular. Uh, it's, uh, hosted by some very good friends of mine and they have a series of podcast episodes from last year, STOV 101, which give you the lowdown on exactly what you need to know about Star Trek Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. It's very, I would say very important to listen to that if you're considering going because it'll help you prepare immensely. Well, I should definitely try to make it one of these years. It sounds like a crazy but good time. Yeah, that's an accurate yeah, assessment. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we can, let's, you know, button this up. All right. Well, thank you for listening this week. Uh, if you enjoyed this, you can check out our other podcast, Stargate Weekly. You can find and review both podcasts on your podcast player of choice, and you can also reach us at our email address, deltaflyerpod at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Gamicus. You can find me on Twitter at Tyrannicus. You can find me on Twitter at Listening to Film. And you can follow our show on Twitter at deltaflyerpod. And that's our show. Yeah. Thank you. I have spent a lot of time recently watching Star Trek The Next Generation. Including episodes I'd never seen before, which was fun and exciting. And gradually it became clearer and clearer to me that the power of that show, the success of that show, the benefits that it gave. I have never, ever grown tired of hearing from people who stop me in the street or in a restaurant. Well, no, I don't like being interrupted while I'm eating. (laughs) But um, who say to me, your show changed my life. Without Star Trek, the next generation. I might not be here. And... And that lies at the very center of what I have to tell you now. Jean-Luc Picard is back.